The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Support for this show comes from Sivananda Ashram Yoga Retreat Bahamas, where yoga is more than a class, it's a way of life. With a mission to promote peace in the world, we invite you to immerse in a yogic lifestyle. Get started at sivanandabahamas.org. From Spirituality and Health Magazine, I'm Rabbi Rami, and this is Essential Conversations. My guest today, Ronnie Cummins, is founder and director of the Organic Consumers Association, a not-for-profit organization based in the U.S. with a network of 850,000 consumers dedicated to safeguarding organic standards and promoting a healthy, just, and sustainable system of agriculture and commerce. He's also the author of several books for adults and children, most notably the Children of the World series, and I hope we'll get a chance to talk about that. His essay, The Food Fight We Might All Agree On, appears in the July-August issue of Spirituality and Health magazine. Ronnie Cummins, welcome to Essential Conversations. Well, great to be with you today. Let's begin with your essay in the current issue of Spirituality and Health magazine, the July-August issue. What is the food fight we can all agree on? Well, I think there's an increasing consciousness, not only in the United States, but across the world, that food and farming are extremely important issues. They're important to our health. They lie at the root of solving uh, world problems like poverty, the climate crisis. Uh, and they're, uh, I think, connected to uh, spirituality and alienation as well in the sense that we've become disconnected. Urban and rural communities have become disconnected. Consumers in the United States until recently had become disconnected from our food uh, and nature and our, our bodies to some extent. Uh, but thank goodness, uh, starting in the last 15 years or so, I think we're seeing a great transition where people are seeing uh, that organic uh, food uh, and, and issues like fair trade are not only good for our health and good for the environment, but they're good for our soul as well. And this genetic engineering issue has really, uh, I think, focused a lot of people's attention on the problems we have with big food corporations and chemical companies basically conspiring together to tamper with our food, and yet they don't want us to know about it. They're spending millions and millions of dollars to prevent 
our basic right to know whether our food is genetically engineered or not. They continue to pay for scientific studies that try to convince us that, oh, don't worry about pesticide residues in your kid's food. Don't worry about artificial hormones injected into the animals in these factory farms. You know, don't worry about the antibiotics that are routinely given to animals so they can survive in these hellish conditions in these factory farms. And the truth of the matter is the public do care. A big food fight has broken out, and I think people are voting with their food dollars, and it's alarming to the large corporations that have tended to dominate our food system for the last 50 years. You look at the balance sheet of all these junk food companies and junk beverage companies, whether it's Coca-Cola or General Mills or Kellogg's or whomever, McDonald's, and across the board, they're not making the kind of profits they used to make. And they're doing things like buying up organic companies. Uh, they're trying to take artificial flavors and colorings out of their project and a lot of the chemicals because they want to make it look like they're putting out healthy products. But I think consumers are now ahead of that. They're not going to be convinced by cosmetic changes, if you will, in these processed foods. Uh, they're not going to be convinced that uh, the government says genetically engineered food is uh, uh, probably safe, so I, I'm not going to care about it. So uh, I think that the public, thanks to the Internet, thanks to programs such as this, uh, have learned how to access alternative sources of information uh, and inform themselves about these issues and this is a big problem for America's food giants because the bottom line is they have to change or consumers are going to no longer buy their products. When you're talking about you know, consumers changing their purchasing habits and you know, voting with their dollars, and I certainly understand that money is, in a sense, you know, certainly has a moral ethical component. Are we talking about just sort of a certain segment, the upper middle, maybe even upper class that can afford to do this? I mean, how does this impact trying to eat organic? And we have to talk about what that really means and all the different labeling scams that are out there in the supermarket that sounds like it's organic, but it isn't. But before we get to that, I mean, let's just say if someone wants to eat organic, it's usually more expensive. How does that impact people who can barely get by on the money they've got to eat the stuff that uh, Monsanto is pumping out? Yes, well, we obviously have a problem in the United States with poverty and people being economically stressed out. It's interesting, though, if you look at the statistics back in the 1950s, when I was growing up, the average American family spent 22% of our household income for food. And we didn't think that was, you know, totally outrageous. Right now, the average American family or household spends less than 10% of household income for food, and yet people feel stressed out enough to where if you ask them in a poll, like has been done repeatedly, if they believe organic food is superior, well, about 60% of Americans say yes, they know it's superior. It's safer, it's more nutritious, better for the environment and the animals. So then why aren't the majority of the public buying organic food on more than an occasional basis. And what they say is they can't afford it. If food is half the price it was 50 years ago and people say they can't afford it, why are they saying that? And I think the obvious answer is that everything else is so much more expensive than it was 50 years ago, whether you look at health care bills or rent or utilities or 
trying to keep your kids in school. The cost of living in the United States stresses out most of the population. Unfortunately, they cut corners on food, whereas if they would look at the true cost of chemical-intensive, factory-farmed food, you know, the genetically engineered food, the costs are extremely high. You don't pay for it just at the cash register in the grocery store. You're paying for it with astronomical health care bills that are partly related to poor diets. You're paying for it for environmental cleanup that you have to shoulder the bill for. You're paying for it, you know, with taxes that literally subsidize billions of dollars a year, these factory farms and these GMO things. So the true cost of food, very hard for people to deal with when you're just looking at, here's how much money I have left in my checkbook. Here's the prices in the grocery store. The junk food and the processed food appears to be cheaper than the organic. Uh, Nonetheless, organic grew last year 11.5%, whereas chemical conventional food grew 1.5%. So obviously, people are backing off about 10 cents of every food dollar now uh, in the grocery stores is spent on food that's either labeled as organic or natural. And a lot of this food that is marketed as natural, of course, isn't that much different from the chemical food. But nonetheless, consumers are trying to spend with their food dollars. So how do we make organic available for everyone? Well, we have to look at programs like the food stamp program is huge at 60 to 80 billion dollars a year already. But it's only reaching half the people who are eligible for this food. And of course, the amounts of money you get on food stamps in no way can pay your food bills. So even though we're seeing a sharp increase in the use of food stamp, the debit cards at farmers markets and, you know, natural food stores that uh, lower income people are saying they want organic food, but they're unable to do so. So it's our job as ethical consumers, as ethical citizens, to make sure that all the people, not just the people of the United States, but all the people of the world deserve not just food, access to food, but the most healthy, nutritious food. Can't argue with that. It it certainly sounds right. I was a little surprised that the percentage that we spend on our food went from 22% down to 10%, especially given the fact that the cost rises and the incomes are flat for so many people. But let's just take the number as it is. When you go to the grocery store, I'm looking at a ABC study, a comparison price study of products that are what they call conventional, which is produced by Big Agra, and those that are organic. Just give you a couple of examples. So a Fuji apple, it says here, if I go to the grocery store and I buy the regular one, it's $3.89. If I buy an organic one, it's a dollar more. So, you know, yeah. if someone is really pinching pennies and there's other things like carrots or 89 cents for a bag versus a dollar 99 for a bag. And there's just a whole list of things here. It's sometimes significantly, sometimes only moderately more expensive. But that's sort of an obvious question. That's not the obvious question I want to ask. So I'm standing in the grocery store and I'm looking at two cartons full of apples on the shelf. Mm -hmm. And one says organic and one says nothing. And the difference is a dollar. How am I just looking at that, just sort of emotionally looking at, okay, which way do I want to go? What is it that's going to say to me, oh, it's worth the extra dollar. I can't taste the difference because I'm in the store. They're not going to let me do that. They don't seem to look all that different. Or if they do, the highly waxed and washed ones look better. And those are the conventional ones. So what's the motivator that's going to get me to spend the extra dollar or sometimes significantly more? 
Probably not unless you've had a health problem or you've had a friend or family member point out to you that for the last 20 years, these conventional, so-called conventional, it's not conventional at all, they're chemical. Organic is the conventional. Uh, that's the way food was grown for 10,000 years until recently. But those uh, nice-looking chemical apples there have up to 45 different pesticide residues. Most of them have multiple residues. When you test children or adults that are eating those kind of apples and other conventional produce, uh, you find in their urine traces of these toxic pesticides. When they stop eating those and eat organic, even after a week or two, it's gone. So the, the number one reason why people should not be eating conventional apples if they have a choice is the fact that it's loaded with pesticide residues, many of which can affect your body in a really important way. Say if you're a pregnant woman and you happen to get these antibiotic residues on the wrong day of your pregnancy, it could have a profound impact on your kid. Okay, so that's one thing is that, that it's pesticide intensive industry. Apples are the number one toxic food out in the marketplace in terms of pesticide residues. The second thing is what you don't see on the label or a shelf talker about that apple is what is the nutritional difference between the chemical apple or the conventional apple and the organic. If you knew what is the case, the higher levels of not only vitamins and essential nutrients in the organic, but the fact that there's very, very important trace minerals that you find in organic produce that you don't find in the conventional produce because the conventional produce is grown on soil that essentially been killed and artificially maintained with artificial fertilizers. If you knew that that conventional apple was lacking in essential trace minerals that you need for your health, you would definitely pay that extra dollar. The okay. nutrient density is the difference. You're going to have to eat two or three of those cheaper apples to get the nutrients in the one apple, and you're also going to get a dose of pesticides at the same time. You've said several times, if you knew. Now, the, the manufacturers, big agriculture entities, these factory farms, they don't want us to know. So I'm wondering, how successful has your organization been in pushing accurate labeling on these foods? Well, the problem is that industry fights it tooth and nail, yeah. and the Congress, the federal government, is completely beholden to large financial contributors rather than to their constituents. So it's very difficult on the federal level. We were able to force the labeling of irradiated food about 20 years ago, so we won that right. We have won the right in the state of Vermont now to know whether foods are genetically engineered or not. But in general, on pesticide use, there's only three states in the whole United States, Vermont, New York, and California, that require farmers to report how much they use of these toxic chemicals on the crops. So most state departments of agriculture, they don't even know. They're not even looking, except rarely, for these antibiotic and pesticide residues. So they're not even looking for it. So it's a big battle. And that's why I'm saying the important thing in the United States today, as compared to 20 years ago, is that we do have alternative sources of information, like the Internet, like these podcasts, that are spreading. The actual birth of the real growth in organics actually came back in 1986, 
some of your listeners may remember this, but there was a, a scandal that this chemical ALAR, A-L-A-R, which was a scary a toxic chemical, was found in apples and it was exposed. And so it became a really big issue in the mass media. And that is, you can mark that point on the graph. That's when organic foods started to take off. I've been looking closely at food safety surveys for the last 25 years in the U.S. And it's amazing that it has stayed about the same. If you ask Americans, are you concerned about food safety? The majority of them say they are. If you ask them, well, what really scares you about food safety the most? The first thing they say is antibiotics, you know, because they know that there's a developing problem of antibiotic resistance in this country that kills, you know, according to government, 23,000 people a year. It's going to kill a lot more people, they admit, over the coming year. They're concerned about antibiotics, the hormones, the pesticide residues, and the genetic engineering. The problem is that the elected federal officials aren't listening to us. In fact, as we talk, they're trying to pass a law. They'll vote on it next Tuesday in the House of Representatives that will take away the right of states to be able to require labeling for genetically engineered food. Now, they know full well in the Congress that 90% of their constituents uh, want genetically engineered foods to be labeled, but they're going to go ahead and not only not require labeling at the federal law, they're going to say that states like Vermont or the partial labeling in Alaska are invalid. They're going to essentially abolish the 10th Amendment to the Constitution and obliterate uh, any state responsibility over food safety or nutritional labels. So let's say you walk into the supermarket, you've got all these marketing terms thrown at you that make you believe something is organic when it isn't organic. Is there something that the average consumer can do when they walk into their supermarket or maybe avoid the supermarket and go somewhere else? But is there something we could do that would help us, despite the marketing tricks, get around that and buy the right kinds of things? Everyone can afford organic foods if they will stay away from processed foods and cook from scratch. Get back to the type of traditional cooking that your grandmother and grandfather did and you can afford organic then, and you will be healthier, happier, and you'll be able to feel better about your impact on the environment and farmers. So that's a pretty optimistic notion that people are going <laughs> to have the time to do that. But yeah, I get what you're saying. What about making, I forget what it's called, now, it's just slipped my mind, but we do this, where you work with a farm or farmer, local. A community-supported agriculture yes, where CSA, you're buying directly CSA. from farmers that's growing rapidly, as are farmers' markets buying in bulk. These are all tactics that we can use. And I must say, though, that it's happening. The farmers markets are increasing. These community-supported agriculture are increasing. Sales of organic and natural are increasing. Consciousness is increasing. But we need to be more consistent. Americans have a health problem. Most of us, the root of that health problem is often diet and exercise. We need to get serious about getting healthy and making sure our families uh, can get healthy as well. And we're going to solve a lot of problems at the same time if we'll just be more conscious every day about what we cook, what we eat, how we spend our money. That is the perfect place to end. My guest today was Ronnie Cummins. Ronnie, thank you so much for being on the show. Well, thank you. You can learn more about his work at www.organicconsumers.org. 
Today's interview was sponsored by Shivananda Ashram Yoga Retreat, Bahamas, where yoga is more than a class, it's a way of life. With a mission to promote peace in the world, the good people at Shivananda Ashram invite you to immerse in a yogic lifestyle. Get started at shivanandabahamas.org. And I'll add a personal note, I've been there several times as a teacher, and I guarantee the food there is excellent and organic. Essential Conversations with Rabbi Rami is a project of Spirituality and Health magazine. Visit spiritualityhealth.com and subscribe to the magazine in either print or digital formats. The digital format will run on any tablet or smartphone. And download the iTunes app for this podcast. Essential Conversations is produced by Corinne Johnston, and our program coordinator is Alma Tassi. I'm Rabbi Rami. Thanks for listening. Are you looking for help on your path to healing? I'm Lisa Campion. I'm a psychic, Reiki master, teacher, and energy healer. On my podcast, The Miracle of Healing, I'm going to help you on your healing path. Listen to conversations with leading teachers in energy medicine, quantum healing, and people who have recovered from loss and illness. Whether it's to take care of your own healing or to help other people, this is the podcast for you, right here on mindbodyspirit.fm.